Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they've laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going towards the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And, sto and stooping to look, look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there, and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one, on the, one at the head and one at the feet. And they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, they have taken my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing. But she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Who are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you've carried him away, just tell me where you've laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but to my brothers, and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord and that he had said these things to her. Let me pray for us. Father, we return to you yet again in prayer, asking your help. Father, we come as a group of gathered believers that Jesus Christ is Lord, and we believe that we were created by your word. And we believe that it was your word, Jesus Christ, who came and brought us salvation. And we believe it was your spirit who spoke the word into our life and brought us into life. And we believe that it is your word that grows the church. And so we come gathered in full submission, in expectation, around your word this morning. And so, Father, this is your church. We pray, Father, that you would use your word to grow her and to further her. We ask all these things through the name of Jesus Christ, the Son, that they would now be applied by your Spirit. Amen. In Andover, Massachusetts, there's the very famous Phillips Academy. It has a very impressive list of alumni, which includes multiple U.S. presidents, lots of congressmen, governors, Pulitzer Prize winners, Nobel Prize winners, professional athletes in every major sport. Etched into the walls of the school, affixed to the seal, 
is this short Latin phrase, fini origini pende. The end depends on the beginning. The end depends on the beginning. Our text this morning is brought out of John chapter 20, which is at the end of the gospel accounts. But I want to submit to you, this is the beginning of the Christian story. Moreover, if you want to understand the end goal of Christianity, you have to come first through these texts. Jesus of Nazareth was crucified. He died and he, he was buried all on Friday. And there's a group of women who had followed Jesus throughout his ministry who watched him die. They watched him buried. They went home on Friday evening. They had plans to get spices together and then return after the Sabbath, first thing Sunday morning, to anoint the dead body of Jesus of Nazareth. On Saturday, while the women observed the Sabbath and were preparing, the religious leaders went to Pilate and begged him to put soldiers to guard the tomb of Jesus. Then at some point, early Sunday morning, an earthquake strikes the land right by the garden tomb. An angel descends from heaven, rolls away the stone, sits atop the stone in victory, and the soldiers look at the angels, and they all pass out in fear. And then we know that they run away. Now, early Sunday morning, the various accounts tell us the women wake up ready to go to the tomb to take spices to anoint the dead body of Jesus. Now, make sure you catch this. They were not on their way to the tomb to see a resurrected Lord. They were on their way to the tomb to work with a dead man's body. Although Jesus had told them that he would rise from, again, uh, from the dead, nobody believed him. The women get to the tomb, and given the soldiers are gone, all they see is a rolled away stone. And the natural conclusion for them is somebody's taken the body of Jesus. One of the women, Mary Magdalene, bolts. She heads back to tell Peter and John what has happened. And that's where we pick up here in John chapter 20, verse 1. John chapter 20, verse 1 says, Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early, while it was still dark, and saw the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Verse 2. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, that's John, and said to them, They've taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Verse 3. So Peter went out with the other disciple. Get that for you. Maybe I won't get that for you. There we go. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. You like how John makes sure you know that he outran Peter. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. And if you know Simon Peter, you, this next part makes sense. Then Simon Peter came following him, and he went into the tomb. So Peter and John head towards the tomb. John gets there first, but Peter is the first to go in. Continuing with verse 6, He saw the linen cloth lying there, and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloth, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. The disciples went back to their homes. So Peter and John 
uh, enter the tomb, and what do they see there? Clothes, burial cloths. Make a mental note that in the garden tomb, we have clothes. We're told at the end of verse 8 that John saw and believed. We really don't know what he believed because by the time we get to verse 9, we're told that he couldn't have believed in the resurrected Lord because it says he did not even believe or understand that scripture. Verse 11. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. So Peter and John have left. Mary's returned, and she's standing outside of the tomb. And she's devastated. She is crushed. If you read through the Gospel accounts, you'll first come across this Mary of Magdalene in Luke chapter 8, about one year into Jesus' ministry, which would put us about three years before the garden tomb account you will find that Mary was a very troubled, messed up person. She was so messed up, her soul so evil, that seven demons found her soul as an adequate residence for them. All that changed when she met Jesus and he healed her. She watched as they tortured him. She watched as they mocked him. She was there when he died. She watched as they buried him. And now to her utter devastation, Mary thinks that her only chance to utter a final thank you is now gone. She gets enough courage and she walks on in. Look with me at the end of verse 11 and verse 12. And as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. So she peeks in, she sees two angels. Now John gives us a little bit further detail. He tells us how they were seated. There was one who was sitting on one end and one seated at the other end. Make a mental note. We have angels seated one on one end and one on the other. Verse 13 says, They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I don't know where they have laid them. All, the, all throughout Jesus' ministry. If you read the gospel accounts, it's in every gospel account multiple times. He's told his followers, I will die and I will rise three days Later, And yet, seemingly, none of the followers of Jesus ever considered it. If God does not open our eyes, friends, we will not see. Verse 14. Having said this, she turned around. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing. But she did not know that it was Jesus. John tells us he turns around and how does she see Jesus? He's standing. Dead men don't stand. In other words, Jesus, the Jesus she was seeking, was not there. No, instead, standing before Mary was the risen Christ. Then, verse 15, Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? 
supposing him to be a gardener. Now that would make sense because the tomb was in a garden. She said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you've laid him and I will take him away. Now Jesus speaks to Mary. She thinks he's a gardener because, after all, it is a garden. Now these are small details, but I want us to quickly summarize them together. We have a garden, we have a man, we have a woman. We have God walking in the garden. We have clothes, we have angels, and we have man not seeing God. This seems really familiar. Turn with me to Genesis chapter three. If you don't feel like turning, we've got you covered with this nice technology, so I can show it to you as I read. In Genesis chapter three, verse six. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. Verse 8. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called to man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Verse 11. He said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, The woman you gave to be with me, she gave me fruit of the tree, and I ate. The Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. Verse 14, The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, Cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field, on your belly you shall go, and the dust you shall eat all the days of your life. Verse 15, I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, or crush your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Jump into verse 21. And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and what? Clothed them. Verse 22, the Lord God said, Behold, the man, that the man has become like one of us in knowing good and evil. Now lest he reach out his hand and take also the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. Verse 24, he drove out the man and at the east of the garden of Eden he placed the cherubim he placed the cherubim in a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life okay hopefully you're starting to see some of these connections the main connection is we have two gardens 
We have a garden of Eden, and we have a garden of the empty tomb. In the garden of Eden, we have the first Eve who fell because of her sin and is found hiding with the first Adam. Their eyes, well, they've now been opened to evil and sin. But in the second garden, in the garden of the empty tomb, we have Mary, a woman who's standing face to face with the second Adam and in so doing is standing face to face with God. And because of her sin, she cannot see God. Unlike the first Eve who ran and hid, she isn't hiding from God. Quite the opposite. She's seeking after him and she cannot find him. And all the while, he stands looking right at her, feet from her. And all she can say is, where did you lay the body of Jesus? Friends, we are no better than Mary. Every one of us, because of our sin, would look the risen Jesus in the face and we would not see him for who he is. But it's worse than that. All of our best efforts to serve Jesus are worthless on their own. Think of all that Mary had done. Think of all that she had gone through. The hours of agony, the preparing the spices, the trip to the tomb. The trip to go get Peter and John, the trip back to the tomb, and now her efforts to locate the body of Jesus. And what does all of that get her? Nothing. She looks right at Jesus, and she does not know him. We can fool ourselves in the exact same way. Perhaps we think that we're doing some favor to God by showing up for church. Perhaps we think we're doing him some favor by refraining from certain behaviors or giving our money to certain causes, I am telling you, on its own, it will leave us lost. What is the hope? Where is hope? Hope is found in the very next verse. Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned. And she said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, that means teacher. Everything changed. How? Because Jesus called her name. Mary does not know it's Jesus until he calls her name. But when he calls her name, she knows. Jesus said in John chapter 10, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them. Do you see how we're saved? We are saved because our rescuer comes and calls us by name. We have nothing more to contribute. We hear him when he calls, and we embrace him for life. But there's a key question I want you to ask. How? How is it that by calling her name in that tomb, how is it that she is saved? Or how is it that man can now no longer be separated from God? How is Mary saved? I hope you're caffeinated. Stay with me. Here we go. 
You recall in Genesis chapter 3, how does God keep man from entering back into the garden? He places two cherubim. Well, do a search of the scriptures, and you're going to find cherubim show up in two very important places, both in the temple. So if you were to go through, walk to the temple complex, you're going to come into the complex, into the, uh, the court of the Gentiles, then you would move on through the court of the women, then you would get to the bronze altar, then you would get to the bronze basin, and now you can go into the curtains, into the holy place. You would walk through the holy place, and the next thing you'll come to is the altar of incense. Once you go through the altar of incense, you're into the most holy place, also known as the holy of holies. When you walk in to the holy of holies, you're going to know where the cherubim are, because there's a cherubim sitting one on one end and one on the other end. And as your eyes come down towards the center of the Holy of Holies, you're going to see the Ark of a Covenant. And the lid to the Ark of the Covenant, what do you think is etched on top? Cherubim. One on one end and one on the other. They sit on the lid. Why does the lid matter? Because the lid is known as the mercy seat. Once a year, on the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, once a year, the priest walks in and he brings the blood sacrifice and he puts blood on the altar to what? To atone for the sins of the people. Back to John chapter 20, verse 12. And she saw two angels in white sitting where, please catch this part, sitting where the body of Jesus had lain. One on one end and one on the other. I submit to you this morning, this is how Mary was saved and this is how you and I are saved. In the tomb where the lifeless body of Jesus once laid, the temple, the Holy of Holies, the Ark of the Covenant were made obsolete. They were not abolished. They were fulfilled. The death of Jesus Christ was the ultimate sacrifice, the atonement for our sins. And the author of Hebrews says this better than I could ever articulate it. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 11. In every priest, I have it for you. Every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which horrifically can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down on the right hand of God. Verse 14, for by a single offering, he is protected for all time those who are being sanctified. Mary was saved because Jesus' death was counted as the ultimate sacrifice for her sins. In the death of Christ, the curse of the first garden was reversed. The serpent, the serpent bruised the heel of the Son of God by nailing him to a cross. But when Jesus Christ rose from the grave, he crushed his head. Thank you. The new covenant, it's right here and it's beautiful. 
Whereas in the first garden scene, it ended with the angels guarding the entrance to separate God and man. In the second garden, the angels open up the door. They literally roll away the stone, pointing man back to God. Whereas the first garden closed represented our slavery to sin and to death. In the second garden, the grave clothes were taken off, representing Christ's ultimate victory over sin and death. Whereas in the first garden scene, it ended with man or God searching for man so that God could judge him and send him out. Praise God. In the second garden scene, God is searching for man to redeem him and to bring us home. In the first garden scene, Adam followed the woman into sin and rebellion and death. But in the second garden scene, the woman is led by the perfect second Adam into righteousness and salvation. These two gardens, they represent the beginnings of Christianity. The end depends on the beginning. Perhaps you're here and you're just checking out Christianity. You might think it's about orderly living and raising happy families. Let me suggest to you that Christianity all starts at the empty tomb. Every Christian has to identify with Mary Magdalene standing in that tomb. Every one of us must embrace that we are so messed up that it took the God of the universe to come be stripped naked, tortured, and executed on a cross to pay for our sins. And every one of us would still not embrace that same Lord if He looked us in the eye had He not called us to life. Christianity is not about fixed people making the world a better place. Christianity is about broken people who have found life in the unbelievable kindness of God. Every Christian traces his or her beginnings to a cold, blood-stained, empty slab of stone that for a few hours held the tortured body of God and the once and for all atoning sacrifice for our sins. Every Christian is awakened by the voice to come and believe and have life. How does the account end? Verse 17 and 18, Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me. So Mary obviously clings to Jesus. For I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I'm ascending to my Father and to your Father, to my God and your God. Verse 18, Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I've seen the Lord, and that he said these things to her. Mary attempts to hold on to Jesus and never let go. And Jesus responds, not yet, I haven't ascended. Why? Well, it's another way of saying, Mary, the time is closer, but it's not yet. Oh, brothers and sisters. Those who have embraced Jesus Christ for life, would you find hope in those words this morning? The time, it's closer. It's just not yet.
Interestingly, Mary and the other women obeyed Jesus. They go and tell all the disciples, but none of the disciples believed them. There's a neat irony here, isn't there? The fall occurred when Adam disbelieved the words of God and believed instead the words spoken by Satan through who? Eve. Now in a great reversal, the men failed to believe the words spoken through the women that would have led them immediately to life. Instead, they also had to be called directly by Jesus. Again, belief is a wonderful gift, but it comes through the gracious kindness of God. I close this morning by saying if you're new to Christianity, I really hope you'll see the connections between these two gardens. This is where it all begins. Unfortunately, it all began in Genesis 3. And yet it was all fixed in that empty tomb, the garden tomb. If you're here as a Christ follower, I pray that you will be humbled by the gracious kindness of God to call us by name. And you'll leave commissioned to tell a hurting world, the grave, oh, it's empty. And that king, he is coming. Let's pray.